Welcome to ADHD Crash Course, the podcast for those of us who feel we have a lot to learn about ADHD, and that includes me. I've been at this for a while, and I'm still learning new things. My name's Danae Cannon, and I am your host. I'm an occupational therapist, a certified coach, a mom of more than one child with ADHD, and I have ADHD. So welcome to the Crash Course. We're in this together, and let's jump in. Welcome to ADHD Crash Course. Today, we have Nicole Weaver with us, and she is an intuitive financial coach. I cannot wait to hear what that means and more from her about her business. When I asked for some suggestions for topics, money came up more than once. And so we have Nicole here. I'm super excited. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. So tell me what it means, intuitive financial coach. Yeah. So, um, it's really interesting because when people hear intuitive or when they see people, coaches saying that they're intuitive, a lot of times what they're talking about is like being able to connect to spirit and like being a little bit psychic and all this. Yeah, the that is so, yes, that's so not what I do. Oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> my thing is it is about helping you um, kind of tap into your own intuition and your gut, right? What do you want when it comes to your money? What do you want to feel? What do you want it to look like? What do you want to aim for? And then helping you figure out a system that works for you. Keyword here, you, right? So it's, it's right. you being able to understand, okay, this is how my brain works. This is how my life works. This is what I want out of things. And then making your money work that way. So it's going to look different between different people. Absolutely. That's been, that's always been the hard part for me as a, as a coach and like learning business, right. Is they'll tell you, you have to do things a certain way. Like you have to, who's the one person you're speaking to and what is your system? And I'm like, it's different for everybody. Right. <laughs> but yes, it is. And I think that's the fun part about it is because the principles remain the same, but the implementation of them and the, what it looks like on the other side of it is different, which is really fun for me to kind of get to see that. I love that. And that is, that's true about coaching. Hopefully is that it is personalized that there's that common thread, but that that is highly variable between people. Definitely. So tell me a little bit about your ADHD story because you're one of us. I am. (laughs) (laughs) It's really interesting because I grew up um, I'm 35. And so when I was in middle school and high school, it was kind of the height of the Adderall phase and mm-hmm. all the boys being diagnosed. And I remember even one of my girlfriends being diagnosed and getting on Adderall and, you know, losing a bunch of weight. And we were all like, Oh my gosh. And it was just weird because she was a girl. Right. And back then the kind of classic sign of ADD, ADHD was doing poorly in school. Yeah. That was like, if you're, you can't pay attention in school, you're doing poorly in school, then maybe you have ADHD. Well, I never did poorly in school. And so fast forward to about five years ago, my husband was actually going through a whole diagnostic process to officially get a diagnosis because he's in the army. So he had to go through all of the things um, because we knew he had been diagnosed as a kid and he just needed the re-diagnosis as an adult. Um, And in that process, the clinical psychologist made a comment about cognitive abilities, being able to cover for the focus. And I was like, wait. Wait, wait, wait. I was like, so what you're telling me is that the fact that he's really smart has compensated for the fact that he wasn't paying attention. 
And he said, a hundred percent, absolutely. That's what happened. And I was like, oh my God, that's my life. And so that was, that started my journey of actually seeking out a diagnosis. And I remember talking to my counselor and she was doing a questionnaire and she asked, do you have trouble keeping track of things that you need to accomplish? And I was like, not even close. I have all the checklists. I have all the to-do lists. I'm so, I'm so good at that. She goes, no, Nicole, that's you compensating. And I was like, <gasps> and that was my, that was my moment where I was like, oh my gosh, my whole life makes sense now. Yes. So I was diagnosed at age 31 after already getting a master's degree and doing all of these things, not even realizing why my brain worked the way that it did and sometimes trying to fight against it. And so ever since then, I've really kind of embraced that, Hey, this is just how my brain works. And it doesn't mean that I'm destined or doomed to not be able to do things. It means that I get to choose systems and strategies that actually work with my brain (laughs) instead of against them. And it's been really fun. So you had really great strategies for the academics. Did you suspect it in other areas of your life that ADHD was showing up or was it kind of incognito? It was like the things, uh, procrastination. I worked much better under pressure. I worked better when I had to versus (laughs) versus when I had plenty of time to. Uh, Like looking back, I don't think I suspected it at all until I heard that about, you know, how you can because you're so smart, you can compensate. But now I look back, I'm like, oh yeah, my, my symptoms when I was middle in high school was I was, I talked all the time. I was always talking in class. Why was I constantly talking in class? Cause I wasn't paying attention. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But, um, I can look back and I can see all of those little things. I work way better under pressure. All these people be like, here's what you're going to do. Just one hour a day. You're going to clean one part of the house. I'm like, no, I'm good. The day that the people come over, I'll clean the whole thing. Absolutely. That's our, that's our MO, right? That is like, okay, now my brain's engaging. That's awesome. And so so I can look back and see all of those things. Yeah. So you somehow ended up drawn into a field that a lot of us are biting our nails about is finances. And a lot of people find this tough. Tell me why you ended up here. So separate from, you know, the ADD stuff, I, um, my husband and I went on our own journey. We paid off $85,000 in debt. And during that process kind of started embracing this idea of making your journey look like what you need it to look like, because we did both extremes. We did all the way to, you know, beans and rice. Don't go out to eat. Don't do anything nice for yourself. And we made a lot of progress, but man, we like, we hit one milestone. We paid off my student loans and we were like, Oh, that was awful. That sounds really draining. It was so bad. And literally because of that, we swung all the way to the other extreme. We spent every penny we had. We racked up another $14,000 in credit card debt. And I was like, okay, there has to be a middle ground here. So we started creating this middle ground where we got to go on vacations and do nice things. And also we're making great progress. And so during that time, people would always be like, what are you doing? How are you doing that? How'd you pay off your debt? And so I started, even before I started my business, coaching people and talking people through budgets and like kind of starting to look at that. And so I am a nurse actually by trade and uh, worked in education, quit a corporate education, nursing education job. And I wanted to start my own business. And I kept telling myself that I couldn't do financial coaching because I'm not a CPA and I'm, you know, I'm not an accountant and I don't have these degrees. But when COVID hit, Um, and we saw the economic impact of what was happening in our world, it broke my heart. And I just realized that there were so many skills and strategies that I knew and understood that I could 
teach people so that they never had that kind of strain on their money ever again. And that's what you say that I didn't have this specific formal financial education. I find that even though I have a a background with occupational therapy and coaching training, most of what I bring that's really powerful is my personal experience. That is the thing that really makes a huge difference for the people I work with. For sure. And for me, now that I've been doing this for a couple of years, now it's also all of the experiences I've had with clients. It's also right. the the formulas and frameworks that I've developed over time, but at the time. So I finally, you know, my heart got pulled and I finally jumped into it and I've evolved and grown ever since just seeing the way um, my clients have have grown and evolved through the work we've done. And it's been so much fun. And I know I was thinking about the, um, what you said about how so many people who have ADD and ADHD really struggle with their money, um, which truth be told, it's because two things, number one, super triggering. It just is right. Money is very triggering. And so, especially when you have, you know, some neurodivergence in there, the anxiety kicks in because, and there's so much, you know, unknowns and all of that. And also it can be boring to look at numbers. Oh my gosh. It's so boring. It's not engaging. And I do, I try really hard to make it engaging and to make it exciting to look at and help. I cannot wait to hear how you do that. (laughs) (laughs) So, so yeah. Yeah. So do you have, and I know we have another topic to talk about, but do you have tips for making it less triggering and more engaging? Yeah. So the best thing, and this is really for everybody and not just ADD is you have to give yourself permission to let your money journey look the way you want it to look and not the way that other people tell you it should look. I have so many people and clients that are like, I just feel like I should be investing. I'm like, why? Well, because they say I should be investing. I'm like, but why? Well, because um, I'm like, okay, <laughs> I love investing. I think you should invest as soon as possible, but it doesn't mean that it's the number one priority for everybody right now. And so when you start to, to shake off what everyone else tells you, you should be doing and give yourself permission to actually explore what you want to do and what you want to create and what your priorities are in that moment, it becomes a lot easier because when you go, Oh, I got to put this money into an investment. It's not really what you want to do. You you're not you don't care. But when you go, oh my gosh, I'm saving up for this trip. I'm saving up for this car. I'm getting to pay this down. So I free this up, right? When that's the goal and you're excited about the goal, every piece of progress you make towards it, every time you look at it, I have one client today, literally this morning, she started a a brokerage account. So she started investing because it was a priority for her. It was Mm -hmm. exciting. She's like, I get so excited every day. I get to look at it and I get to see what's going on with this. And I get to play. It becomes exciting because it's the thing you actually want to do. So it has meaning. Yeah. It sounds like giving it some meaning. Yeah. And it's that, that, yeah, it's that intentionality where you're actually doing the thing you want to do. The other thing that kind of feeds into my intuitive money management framework is besides really focusing on what your true desires are and what you really want, just giving yourself grace to like, it's totally fine. If it doesn't look great, it's totally fine. If it's a little clunky, it's totally fine. If your system changes every two months. Oh, um, I love that. Like, <laughs> That's one of like, my favorites is changing like, the permission to change the system. I just talked yes. about this because we like to change the system and just fighting well, that is miserable. I tell people the best system for you is the one that you will use and that works. And right. so if you put a system in place, it works and you're using it and then it starts to not work and you start to not use it. You have my permission to do something different. 
Yes. Because it's about, it's about using a system and a strategy that works and that you will actually implement. And so you don't have to feel all the guilt and shame for like, oh, I didn't, that system didn't work for very long, or I failed, or I have to go back to that one thing. Like give yourself permission to change it up a little bit, That's you know, awesome. and just yeah. do something different. Cause that's what keeps you engaged too. Finding one that fits you makes total sense. Yeah. And it makes it more, you get more excited. And also, you know, like I had the app that I use for my budgeting and tracking allows me to use like emojis and color codes. And (laughs) that makes it life. That makes it fun too. That's awesome. So So, what's that app that you use? Oh my gosh. I can just go on for hours and hours. (laughs) The, the app that I use is called you need a budget. Um, It's abbreviated Y N A B or Y N A B. Um, and it's great because you can set goals and targets and it'll kind of color code you and like give you warnings if you're not on track for it. Um, you know, the categories will be green. If you've got plenty of money to spend, you can set flags for things. You can put emojis in the category names. It'll alert you when there's transactions you need to give a category to like, it's very, it's very ADD friendly, like kind of an intuitive app. You feel like it's easy to come around. Okay, cool. Very. Yeah. It's the best. Yeah. And I can, if you've got show notes, I've got, um, a link that will allow people to get a a free money when they, when they subscribe and a free trial. So um, I'll definitely give you that too. I will definitely put that in the show. It's so good. But doing things like that, you know, finding systems, finding apps, finding strategies that actually feel good and then giving yourself permission to change if you need to. I love that. And so, so that kind of leads us in, you have some, I listened to a uh, little mini course you had, you had some really great tips for people with unique brains, people like us, and that are a great beginning for kind of getting some control over our financial lives. Um, Yeah. So these are my, my neurodivergent money hacks. mm -hmm. Um, That's really similar to what we've already been talking about, but I think the most important thing when you start to, whether it's whatever it is that you feel like your ADD or ADHD is kind of affecting in your life, when you start to approach this, it's really important to remember that you're not broken. You just, it's not bad. It's just different in how you think. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the first hack um, is find your superpower and embrace it. Embrace your neurodivergent, your ADD, your ADHD superpower and use it to your advantage. So there's a couple things that this looks like. One is the thing, the system that actually works for you might match your superpower. So for me, I love spreadsheets. I, mm-hmm. I get all the dopamine kicks when my spreadsheets balance. Okay. And so for me, the organization and the systems like that, it is my superpower. And so I use that to my advantage and I'm able to stay super organized for some people. One of their things that really affects them is the, the issue with object permanence and this, this out of sight, out of mind mm-hmm. situation where if they don't see it, it's not there. And so you can use that to your advantage when it comes to your money pull money out into a completely separate bank account that you don't look at, right? Whatever it is, use those things to your advantage with your money rather than just letting it be frustrating to you. Um, And then also you can use those things as ways to generate income. I was so good at setting up, setting up systems and, and, you know, spreadsheet automation and those kinds of things. I actually did it as a business there for a little while. I literally got paid to create spreadsheets for people. Um, and so you can actually generate income by using this thing. Cause that hyper-focus on organization was one of my superpowers. And so that's the first big hack when it comes to money is embrace your neurodivergent superpower and use it to your advantage. Now, do you, you. do you ever, ever have clients that say, I just, I don't, I don't see it that way. I don't have superpowers with ADHD and just aren't really seeing where their strengths are. Do you have clients that have that take and how do you help them? Uh, You know, 
most of the people I've worked with, they'll find something, right? Mm-hmm. They'll be like, oh, my superpower is the ability to really uh, empathize with others and understand what they're going through. I'm like, great, you get to use that to your advantage and create a stream of income with it, right? Ooh, so um, how, what would that look like? That coaching example. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right, all any kind of, you know, this one in particular that I had in mind, she's a, a coach for moms um, and she helps them kind of cut out the, the chaos in their minds and, and focus themselves because she gets how they're feeling, right? Right. Um, so even things like that, I would say the hack number two will actually help you if that's the case where you're not sure what hack number one is, mm-hmm. um, which is embracing self-reflection because oh, yeah. I think so many times we let all the labels overpower what we think we can accomplish. Yeah. And so there's a lot of people with ADD and ADHD and even other forms of neurodivergence, like bipolar anxiety, um, that think that they're just broken and they don't have a superpower. They just can't focus. They can't do anything right. And they kind of get themselves, they get really down on themselves. Um, but when you stop and you give yourself the ability to reflect on what have I succeeded at? What am I good at? What's really going on behind the things I'm struggling with? Because the truth is with money, money is almost never the problem. Money is a symptom of a problem. Tell me more about that. Money is 80 plus percent behavior. Mm. It's only like 20% math. And so when you're starting to have money issues, it has to do with the things that are going on behind the scenes and both emotionally, subconsciously, or even practically. Um, and so when you get a chance to ask yourself, what's this really about? For example, a lot of people with ADHD struggle with impulsivity right. where they'll just spend a bunch of money on Amazon or they'll spend, you know, 10 times what they intended to spend when they walk into Target. Right. Um, that is almost always caused by some sort of unmet emotional need. Mm-hmm. So not, it's not because you, um, you actually were like, yes, I'm so excited to spend a hundred dollars. It's because you were like, you were seeking a feeling that buying that thing was going to give you. Absolutely. And so how do you help people when they are at that place of learning how to notice that yeah. you've noticed it, what's next? There's a whole, there's a whole process to it that I teach inside of monthly money mindset membership that I do. And I teach the detailed process. I also have an ebook that I'll tell you about where I go through some of that process as well. Okay. Um, but part of it is really just noticing the feeling first. So like, what is the feeling that you feel when something goes wrong mm-hmm. and training yourself to notice when you feel it, and then starting to train yourself to recognize the pattern. So, oh my gosh, I always, seem to feel that way when I'm at Target. I always seem to feel that way when I'm in this place. I always seem to feel this way when I'm around this person. And that gives you, so recognize the feeling first, notice the patterns second, mm-hmm. and then you can start shifting because you actually are recognizing what might have triggered that. Be like, oh my gosh, every time I'm around my mom, I spend so much money. That's okay. Good. Yeah. What's really, what's really there? What am I jumping off of that? Yep. This is what I want to do. Mm, yeah. yeah. And so you, it's, you get to start working through that. And I have a couple of other, um, you know, deep dive, uh, practices that I teach both in this interactive ebook, that I'll tell you about that's so exciting. And <laughs> in my mind, in my mindset membership, because it's really a lot deeper than that. But the first thing is notice the feeling. The second thing is recognize the patterns of when it's happening so that you can start to put some systems in place, right? If you know, you always spend money when you hang out with your mom too much, then maybe bring less money, right? Don't bring your debit card with you. Put right? some friction, put some friction there. So it's not going to be what you slide back into. Yeah. You have the ability once you can start self-reflecting on those things. And that also includes healing money trauma. 
Right. Mm-hmm. That also includes being like, I have issues around money or the things that happened to you around money when you were a kid and learning, giving yourself permission to start working on healing those things because that self-reflection, that ability to really see yourself really going on, but also like seeing your wins, like celebrating those things that you're doing well. And then, like I said, using them to your advantage. Yeah, that's great. So embrace your ADHD superpower. Number two is self-reflection, which is a probably like one of the biggest pieces in general with living with ADHD. (laughs) (laughs) I would say that's key in a lot of what we do. And what's your third? The third one is the easiest and the hardest at the same time. It is embrace simplicity. Oh yeah. There is, there's a quote by Jim Collins where he says, if you have more than three priorities, you have none. But I believe when you are ADHD, if you have more than one priority, you have none (laughs) because the moment you try to separate. Now I want to be clear. I don't mean that you're never allowed to have more than one thing you, you are uh, worried about in a season of life. I mean, at any given moment, at any given minute, you've got to choose one thing to focus on. And so even in this interactive ebook that I developed, I, talk you through what is the one area that you want to focus on first? Let's do these activities. Let's focus on that area first, and then we'll come back and focus on the other ones one at a time. Because when you can do that, we know, we know that if we let our attention be too divided, we cannot actually fully do anything well. Absolutely. Um, and we tend to overcomplicate things. And mm-hmm. one of my core values is simplicity. It's something I want to live by. It's, it's the way I want to live. And so when you can embrace that idea of simplicity, where you give yourself permission to not try to fix everything all at once. Right. And it's like, it's okay if the only thing I worry about right now is making sure my bills get paid. It's okay if the only thing I worry about right now is saving $10 a week. It's okay if the one thing I change is that I don't bring my debit card to Target, right? One thing at a time is fine because scattered efforts produce scattered results. Mm. So when you can start just choosing one thing at a time, make those micro changes, those simple little things when it comes to your money, it's it builds on top of each other and it becomes much more easy to, to find the big changes later. Because I think that's the other thing that we deal with, with ADHD and all neurodivergence really is this all or nothing. Like if I can't do it all and get it perfect, I'm just not going to do anything. Yes. And so when you start to embrace simplicity and you say, you know what, I'm going to give myself permission to just do one thing. And it's okay if I don't do all the bajillion things. Right. And give yourself credit when you do that one thing is huge. I've seen that. Like your energy will snowball if you recognize, Hey, I didn't bring my credit card. Great for me. Yes. Yeah. And you get to celebrate those things. Celebrating is such a huge part of being successful in your money journey. Because if you don't recognize all of those little wins, Mm -hmm. then you feel like you're not winning. Right. It can be discouraging because it's, it's sometimes it's a very big process. Yeah, it is. It is. And you know, you're not going to, we didn't pay $85,000 off in two weeks. Right. Right. It was a full, almost four year process and it involved quite a few swings it was longer than that it involved quite a few swings of extremes too, of us trying to find that sweet spot. And so that's why I do what I do is I found the sweet spot and I know how to teach it to you. So right. I want you to get to the sweet spot faster than I did. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's good. And so how did you talk about that four years? That's that is an impressive amount of time that you were steady towards your goal. How did you keep encouraged during that time? The biggest thing was we gave ourselves a lot of fun money. Yeah. Like we gave ourselves permission to enjoy life yeah. and, and 
work towards our financial goals because people, you know, I just want to enjoy my life. Like, I don't want to pay off my debt. I want to enjoy my life. But then they're paying on their debt for 15 years because they never put any effort towards it. Right. Again, that all or nothing thing, right. Splitting um, the difference, right. You're yeah, doing split both. the difference. Give yourself that, uh, ability to go out, to travel, to whatever, you know, and of course, of course, this totally depends on your income level and your expenses, right? Like I said, it's 80% behavior, but it is 20% math. So everyone's right. math is different too, of what, you know, they are bringing in compared to what they owe and what their expenses are, but even little things like giving yourself permission to go out to eat once a month can make you feel so excited. And you're like, Oh, my gosh, we get to go out to eat tonight. Yes. It's so exciting. And so you get to find that middle ground. I literally had one set of clients who were like, we're just going to stop spending money. We're never going to spend money. And I was like, please don't do that. <laughs> that sounds not that. very fun. No, I was like, please don't do that. Don't do that. You have to love the journey. And if you don't, if you're not having fun and you're not enjoying the process of enjoying your life and making progress, then you won't want to do it. That is such a good point because I do think that, you know, sometimes we feel like, oh, we're adults. The fun shouldn't matter as much as it does, but for people, but definitely people with ADHD, fun matters. And just the dragging yourself through is not sustainable. Well, and that's the thing with ADHD and all neurodivergence really is you are seeking um, the hits of dopamine that your executive function normally would have given you, but you suck right. at executive function. And so everything that you do is seeking that dopamine hit, which is the happy, like, it's like, woo, that was fun. And right. so that's again, why celebrating your wins is really important because it hits you with that little hit of dopamine. You're like, oh, look what I did. Right. Yes. Ooh, look what I did. Um, and so it's the same thing with your money. If you're not allowing yourself those little hits of dopamine with your money, if you're not allowing yourself to go get your nails done, if you're not allowing yourself to go out to eat every once in a while, it just feels like everything sucks. Right. <laughs> even, if, even if you pay off $3,000 of debt every single month, but you hate the process, doesn't matter. That sounds very balanced and very sustainable. And honestly, it gives a lot of hope, I'm sure, for people who mm-hmm. have never even considered that both could exist. Well, that's, it's really interesting that you say that because I did a training yesterday or Tuesday in my group um, on the idea of rejecting scarcity. So not just like focusing on abundance and having all this happy, you know, positive mindset, but actually actively rejecting scarcity um, Mm -hmm. and what that really looks like. And I was like, you know, scarcity is a fear-based decision. Any decisions you make around money that are fear-based are scarcity. And why is that? Well, it's because you're afraid you're not going to have enough. You're worried that things aren't going to work out. Um, you don't trust yourself with the money. You don't trust yourself to make more. Um, and then I was like, when you look at that, there's a, there's a huge proposition here, which is what if the opposite of scarcity isn't actually abundant? Mm. What if the opposite of scarcity is hope? Oh, I like that a lot. Because really scarcity, all the scarcity decisions and scarcity thought are based around like fear. Right. In abundance, the amount of money does not necessarily correlate with someone's peace about money. Yes, exactly. Desires change. As your income goes up, you have bigger dreams, right? You have bigger things you want. You're always going to want more. Um, So you're always going to feel like there's never enough. But if you can create a place where you have hope and you have trust and you have faith in your system and you trust yourself with money and you have hope for what you get to create in the future, then all of these fear-based thoughts and fear-based decisions get to go away regardless of the number of dollars in your bank account. And that's why I've actually shifted. I don't talk about financial freedom anymore. I talk about financial fulfillment because it is a feeling that you have and you can have it no matter how much money is in your bank account. That's awesome. 
It really is. And financial freedom is like a target, right? It's like, I'll get to financial freedom someday. Like when you ask people what's financial freedom, you're like, well, when I finally pay off my house or when I can finally retire or when I'm finally debt free or when we, right. It's like a target that feels like it'll never come. But when you start looking at how can I create financial fulfillment, it's a feeling that you can have in the midst of the journey. That's definitely true. And you would have a lot more control. You could have that all Mm -hmm. along the journey versus the end goal. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. You get to have it the whole time, which is what's fun about it. And that's, I think also helps with the ADHD because again, it's that dopamine hit, right? So if you're not giving yourself that feeling of being like, this is amazing. I love this process. Then you're not going to want to keep doing it. (laughs) That's so true because we are, we do tend to be oriented towards now. So if now is miserable and miserable for, you know, all the moments we can envision (laughs) and that floating out there is this great moment. It's not very it's not very motivating for a lot of us. Well, this is awesome. I know people are going to want to find you and want to know what you're doing. So where can they find you? So the easiest way to find me right now um, is to just go to my website, which is NicoleWeaver.com. So it is um, N-I-C-H-O-L-E-W-E-A-V-E-R. Mm-hmm. Um, and that will that will um, take you to my website, which will take you right now. I have it redirected directly to my interactive neurodivergent money management ebook, which I'm so excited about because I honestly, I knew that like, I couldn't really give everything that you need to implement these things in one podcast and one quick training, because the truth is like, it's the executive function, right? So you can sit and listen to me for half an hour, but it's the actual, like putting that into practice that you need. So I created this ebook with the intention of walking you step-by-step through small activities that you can implement immediately. It is not a bunch of pages of text. I have embedded videos. I have checkboxes, I have activities. It's very interactive. It's very engaging with the intention of taking you um, step-by-step through making those small changes that make you actually feel hopeful and excited about what's happening with your money. So right now, when you do go um, to NicoleWeaver.com, it's going to redirect you right there. And you know, my website's still being built. So Eventually it'll redirect you to a homepage, then you'll still be able to find it. But, and you do have, you have a Facebook group as well. I do. My Facebook group is called fearless money journey. Um, and the tag is simple, intuitive strategies for financial freedom. I'm going to be changing the name soon, but fearless money journey is the name of the group and it's free. And I do trainings every Tuesday. I also do a feature that I love called cash and coffee, which is on Thursday mornings. We literally just jump on zoom and just talk. We talk about money. We talk about wins. We talk about what people have going on. Um, it's just a, that's for group members or for people that you have on or who anybody. Yep. Anybody oh, cool. can come to cash and coffee. Um, and once you, if you do grab the ebook, you'll be subscribed. You'll get my emails about, um, all the events that are going on in my world. And that'll include links to cash and coffee because it's really, it's fun. It's, I want to create a safe space, right? I want to create a safe space where people can just come talk about what they've got going on with their money and feel like they're heard, feel like they're not alone in what they've got going on. That is fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And I know people are going to be interested in checking that out. I am too. And um, thank you so much, Nicole. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. 